52 episodes, 52 ordinary people, 52 real stories about things that affect overall health. Because there is a lot more that goes into being healthy than food and fitness. Inspiration, support, a new perspective, and knowledge. You'll find that and more here on the HealthAbility Project. Hi, welcome to the HealthAbility Project. I'm Robin McKenna. Watching a parent live with a chronic disease can be a lot for a young adult to take in and deal with. Being that young adult and knowing that what your parent is going through is very likely to be your own fate only magnifies the impact to one's health and well-being. What if the chronic disease you are genetically guaranteed to inherit is one affecting your kidneys? You are faced with the eventuality of lifelong dialysis or, if you are lucky, a kidney transplant, and likely only after years of waiting. Dare I say, not the type of thing on the list of what I'm looking forward to in life. And what if you decide to take matters into your own hands to find your own kidney donor? How do you think all of this would impact your health and well-being? My guest today is Myrna Bernstein, and this is her story. Myrna has resided in Albany, New York, the capital of New York State, most of her life. She had a long career with the New York State Health Department as a policymaker in the New York State Medicaid program. She is an avid live theater patron and has also performed on stage with some local community theaters. She is actively involved as a volunteer for a number of community organizations. Thank you so much for being with me today, Myrna. I am so glad to have you on the HealthAbility Project. Well, I'm so happy to be here, Robin. I've been wanting to share this story for a long time, and I'm so glad you have given me the opportunity to do this. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. So we've had a lot of conversation, and your story is is really quite extraordinary. But why don't you take us to the beginning? You were a teenager, and your mother was suffering from this chronic kidney disease. That's where it all uh, yes. began for you, right? Yes. Um, I'll just give you a little description of what the condition is. It's called polycystic kidney disease, also known as PKD, and it's a hereditary kidney condition. And it's it was on my mother's side of the family. Mm-hmm. And um, what happens is you develop cysts on both in both kidneys, and over time, the cysts take in fluid and enlarge and ultimately affect your kidney function to the point where you either have the option of being on dialysis or, as you said, being lucky enough to get a transplant. And usually this occurs in um, a person's life, usually when they're in their 50s or 60s. When I was it, so um, when I was in my late teens, it affected my uncle, who the only available treatment was dialysis, and he passed away. Then my mother was diagnosed in her 50s, and she passed away when I was in my late 20s. And as a result of her being diagnosed with PKD, my brother and I were tested. And we both found out that um, we had the PKD. 
And um, so I was in my 20s. I was in my mid-20s when I found out. My brother's five years older. When you learned that you had this, for sure, how did you, how did that make you feel? Well, at that point, I was in my 20s. My mother, it hadn't affected her at that point, you know. Um, So I, I didn't really know. To me, it wasn't real to me. It was just a condition I had. And all I had to do at that point was um, be seen by a kidney doctor and manage my diet and my blood pressure. That's all I had to do. Okay. However, when um, my mother did go on dialysis, that's when I realized this was, this could happen. This was going to happen to me. Um, And I have, I was married. I was just married at the time when my husband and I both found out that I had this condition and I I was concerned about it. it was always in the back of my mind that at some point this was going to affect my life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. But I didn't let it inter- interfere with my living life. I tried not to. Okay. So you had mentioned that your brother was also diagnosed with this and he yes, started so my brother di- was diagnosed when he was in his 40s and and he went on dialysis for a brief time and then he received a transplant and he's had that transplant that kidney transplant for 30 years wow. which is remarkable absolutely remarkable and he's been able to you know see his children educated and become parents and he's now a grandparent. And um, so I was so encouraged by that. Mm-hmm. Although at that time I, I was not impacted yet. And and the process of all of this treatment and kidney transplants was a little bit different by the time it had, should I say manifested in your own body? Uh, oh, definitely. Yes. When my mother had to go on dialysis, transplantation. We have a local hospital that is a transplant center and they just started doing the surgeries and a transplant was offered to my mother, but I think she was afraid. She was afraid because it was so new Mm -hmm. and, you know, dialysis was a, a known procedure to her. So she chose not to. She was on dialysis for five years and it really depleted, you know, her, her body. And she was 65 when she passed away, which is young. Yeah. That must've been hard for you to watch. It was, it was very, very hard because I was only, I was only um, 28 when she passed away. So it, it had a really significant impact. It, it was like, I really grew up without a mother. I mean, I was only in my late twenties. So um, I felt like I was pretty much on my own. So I I think that has played a significant role in how I dealt with my situation and, and um, my activism and trying to get a transplant Mm -hmm. for myself. So activism is a is a great word from what you've told me. So tell yes. us about 
what happened, what what your what your level of activism was in searching for a kidney donor. Okay, so um, time passes, <laughs> and um, I had retired in 2010, and a few years later, my kidney function started to decline to the point where where dialysis was going to be imminent. I still had time. My numbers were still acceptable and my kid, I did have some kidney function, but I think my doctors wanted me to, to be accepting of what the outcome was going to be. And I, you know, was, I was terrified of being on dialysis. I was, I was evaluated to be a transplant candidate at um, the local transplant hospital here in Albany. So I was placed on the list and um, inactive because I wasn't actually ready for the surgery. When it got closer to my needing a transplant and, and I was accepted and I was on the list, I had an appointment with my transplant surgeon. So we sat down and this surgeon had performed my brother's surgery. He's an excellent surgeon. Mm -hmm. So he, we had a conversation and he told me that because I had had in early 2000, I had had extensive hernia surgery. Mm -hmm. So I had, I had mesh Mm -hmm. in my abdominal area and evidently the way they do the surgery, the mesh would be exposed because they perform the surgery in the abdominal, through the abdominal area. And the mesh could get infected being exposed. And I would have had started immunosuppressant medication. So I would be at high risk for infection. So the, um, the surgeon recommended I go on dialysis first to make a decision as to if I wanted to proceed with the surgery. And I was like shocked that this was, you know, a decision I had, I had to make. Um, I had no idea that this was, would have been an, was an issue for me. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I I didn't want to have to make that choice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So as a result, I proceeded to go to another hospital to be evaluated. And they also turned me down because they performed the surgery um, the same way. So I was left without a transplant. I didn't have a transplant hospital. Mm. (laughs) And I first needed, you know, a hospital to perform the surgery. So it just so happened I had retired and I was working in a dental office. And that particular day, this gentleman came in and to make an appointment. We just started talking and he happened to tell me that he had had a kidney transplant the year before. And, and I asked him, you know, if it was locally, he said, no, he went down to Mount Sinai hospital in New York city Hmm. uh, because he was considered a high risk patient because he had had hepatitis. And they were able to perform the surgery at Mount Sinai Hospital. And he was a year out from his surgery and he was doing very well. So I proceeded to get the name of his surgeon and I called down to Mount Sinai to make an appointment. And I went down there and I spoke to a different surgeon and 
they would be able to perform my surgery because their procedure was totally different from the procedure, the way they do the procedure up here. They, they do the procedure through your pelvic area. Mm-hmm. So my abdominal area was not a concern for them. I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic. So they accepted me as a patient and I was placed on their transplant list. I was able to, in New York state, you're only allowed to be on one hospital transplant list. So I was able to transfer um, my time that I accrued mm-hmm. here uh, on the local hospital transplant list and transfer it to um, Mount Sinai in New York City. But down in New York City, the transplant wait is longer because, you know, it's a metropolitan area. So the wait time would be much longer. They were say, telling me like four to seven years. <laughs> and then in that time frame, you would have had to have undergone dialysis? Yes, I would have. So during the wait time, they do contact you if um, a kidney is available that, um, you know, meets your criteria, you know, the blood type, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. So they call, they call you mm-hmm. from the plan center and they call you and they give you a, a, a brief medical history of the individual that's donating their kidney and what medical conditions they may have had. Mm-hmm. And at that, on that phone call, you have to decide whether you accept it or not. Mm. If you don't accept it, they just move down the list. If you accept it, they still have 24 hours to test. They have to test the kidney to see if it's viable for transplantation. Mm-hmm. So there was one um, offer that I said yes to, and then they have to test it. So you're sitting there, so you have to wait 24 hours or shorter to see if that kidney is viable to be transplanted, mm-hmm. creates so much anxiety because then if it is, is um, a match, I would have had to drive down directly to New York City for the surgery. So you're basically well, on standby. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Unfortunately, the kidney was not viable to be transplanted. So, <laughs> so shortly after that, I was driving down one of the highways here locally and, you know, there's all the, you know, you always have highway billboards Mm -hmm. and this idea actually came out of the universe. It just came into my head. And I remember repeating this question that, that, that appeared (laughs) that I remember repeating to myself, why don't I take out a billboard? So I came back home, I, wherever I was, I came back home and I decided, I didn't hesitate. I decided to call the company that handles all the billboard advertising locally. And I spoke with this sales rep and I told her (laughs) what I wanted to do. And this was a very unusual request for her for advertising. And, you know, she said, well, you know, we've never done anything like this before, but I, you know, I will speak with my manager and my legal staff to see if we can help you. 
So she called me back a few days later and um, she said they could. However, the highway advertising is very expensive. Um, however, you know, they do residential advertising. It's called um, billboard. It's just a billboard, a small billboard advertising on like major, you know, streets mm-hmm. um, in the area, which was much less expensive. It was it was affordable for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so they designed the billboard. It did have it did not have any personal information on it. They just required my picture and the billboard said wanted kidney donor blood type A, which is my blood type or O. And I set up a separate email address to contact me. If they had any questions for any reason. Mm-hmm. I answered every single email that I received. And it was surprising that a lot of people didn't even know their blood type. Mm. Well, consequently, after my billboard went up, which happened to go up on my birthday, Mm. (laughs) a few days later, two of the local TV stations contacted me and wanted to do a story. So two of the radio stations aired my story for several days and I was also contacted by a local newspaper. And there was an article on the front page of the newspaper, the local newspaper. However, the headline of the article, I felt it was very negative. Although I could understand that it captured a lot of people's interest. So what the um, headline said was, does local woman have advantage? Mm. I was very upset. New York State is like the third lowest. I don't know what it is now, but back then it was the third lowest in the country for organ donation. Wow. So the article included that. And because I used my money to purchase this advertising, they felt I had an advantage over other people waiting on the list, which is totally erroneous. If I was able to get a living donor, my name would be removed from the list and someone could move up. Right. So I wasn't taking a kidney away from anybody. Right. And I called, I called the, the reporter and I told her how upset I was about the headline. And she she told me she didn't write it, that they had several staff that write the headlines. Mm-hmm. But it was still very upsetting. So yeah. as a result of the billboard, I got quite a number of inquiries. And there are exclusions, um, medical exclusions for not being qualified for a uh, to be a donor. The hospital worked with me. They sent me the disqualifications and they also sent me the application that people needed to fill out to send down to the hospital mm-hmm. to be considered. And also because of the billboard, one of uh, several friends came forward. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, two friends were disqualified. Well, actually, all three friends were disqualified. However, two total strangers came forward willing to donate, willing to be considered to about to be evaluated by the hospital. I went down with each one mm-hmm. 
And um, subsequently, that had, to be, that had to be very moving for you that two strangers did yes. come forward, and especially yes, after all of this effort that and I know two total strangers. I know, and before they agreed to be evaluated, they wanted me to meet their families. So uh, one of them lived about an hour west of me and one of them uh, lived in Vermont, which, but Vermont isn't that far from Albany. It's Mm -hmm. about an hour. So so they came down. So there were two women came down with their families and we visited and subsequently they both agreed to be evaluated, which, uh, which was overwhelming that, and they were such such good people, total strangers. And we they they went down with me. We stayed overnight. They went through all the event testing for mm-hmm. me, but unfortunately, they weren't qualified. So again, it's there's a lot of start and stop in this journey. Yes, yes. So following that, I um, made up a flyer that I posted wherever I could locally and Facebook was <laughs> had <laughs> appeared on the scene. However, I w- resisted getting a smartphone. So I <laughs> so a friend of mine posted a flyer for me. And as a result of that flyer being posted, one of my friends who had originally been disqualified only because she was taking a medication that is is generally used for uh, for diabetes, controlling mm-hmm. diabetes. However, she was using it to control her carb cravings. Her, do- her doctor had prescribed it. Hmm. But because she had originally been disqualified, she decided to go off it. And so she was now qualified to try again. She contacted Mount Sinai and she went down and was evaluated and she was determined to be a match. She didn't give up on you. How did that make you feel? Oh my God. She's my angel. I, she really is. We had our um, surgeries on August 18th of 2015. Mm. And so it's going to be eight years. Wow. You had shared with me, there's a significance of that date. Oh, yes. Yes. So in the Jewish religion, the number 18 represents life. Now, my friend um, had converted to Judaism. However, I think when she made, so it's uh, the donor decides on the date of the surgery when it's convenient for her, for them. You know, there's a recuperation time. And I don't think she thought about it. And after she set the date, I said to her, did you realize that you made the date the 18th of August and what that signifies? And she said, no. Wow. She hadn't thought about it. Wow. Wow. That was so significant. So significant. And what else was significant was the fact that I was 65 when I had my surgery and my mother passed away at 65. So I was able to con- 
continue having a quality of life at the age that she passed away, which was really significant for me. Sure, sure. It was almost as if she played a hand in in making that happen. Yes. And you you had shared with me too that you were you were drawn to Mount Sinai or or the city for another reason. Well, yes, my mother, um, my mom and her family came over from Europe when she was a young girl, and my mom lived in New York City wow. till she was eighteen, nineteen years old, and then she came up to Albany. So I really felt that was where I was supposed to be. Wow. And I guess having that sense that you're in the right place at the right time just kind of helps to keep you calm and help you get through the significant experience that you were having. I mean, that is no easy thing. No, but I felt I felt confident with my surgeon. I really did. And the care there was was wonderful, was wonderful in the follow-up care I've had and the relationship, I've had to continue my relationship with Mount Sinai mm-hmm. was um, for the first year I had to go down um, and be, and see the kidney, the transplant doctor and have my blood work done. And I still have to have my blood work sent down to Mount Sinai because I'm their response, I'm their transplant patient. They're still responsible for me. And I had, you know, the relationship there just so um, responsive when I call or email that um, I just, you know, I I still, I believe that was where I was supposed to be, that this journey placed me at the right, you know, at the right hospital. And with the right people. With the right people. Mm -hmm. As you were going through all of this, I mean, obviously, frustration, fear, anxiety. How did you keep going? Was there anything you kept reminding yourself of? Or how did you manage to get through it? It's so daunting and so overwhelming. I just, I was, I was so focused and determined to make this happen. I really needed to make this happen for myself. I really did because, you know, I I wanted to continue living and enjoying life. And, you know, and I remembered what my my mother had to go through and how limited their life became when my mother went on dialysis. I mean, they did travel. You can travel if you're on dialysis. There are dialysis centers all over the world, all over the country, the world. But your your travel is still limited because you have to, you cannot miss that dialysis session. Mm -hmm. I knew this is what I wanted for myself because there was so much I wanted to do with my life. Wow. So I was so focused. I was in this zone. Mindset. Yeah. It's almost like you didn't really focus on the setbacks or or maybe not setbacks, but the whole issue with the with the article that came out as a result of your trying to use the billboard. I mean that that was very disturbing. And I have to tell you, so I was divorced during this, you know, I got divorced when I was in my 30s. But my ex-husband wrote who lives locally, he's remarried, 
wrote a letter to the editor of the newspaper in support of what I was doing. And my brother and a friend also wrote letters. And I just um, want to share the fact that I would never have met my donor if I had not been married to my husband because my donor's husband had been my husband's best friend in college. And that's how I met her. Wow. And and then you had formed a friendship over the years. And then a friendship. Wow. So that's why I firmly believe that people come into your life for a reason. You may not be aware of, of that reason at the time, mm-hmm. but as as you continue living your life, somehow that reason surfaces. And you know, I was going to share that with you, the random occurrences of, of people coming through my life that have created my journey. Do you want, do you want me to share a few sure. of those? Sure. Okay. Well, first of all, how I got to the dental office where that gentleman came in and shared his story about his transplant, the dentist's in-laws cleaned for me cleaned my house for me. And they happened to tell me that their daughter-in-law was looking for a receptionist in her office part-time. And I had retired and I was looking for, you know, some part-time work. And that's how I, that's how I came to being in that office on that day that that gentleman walked in to my office. And that's how I got to Mount Sinai. So that's remarkable. It really is. I know you and I have talked about this, but I really do feel that the universe is behind the scenes working for us. We may not want to acknowledge it, but it it really is. I mean, that to me is divine intervention, the way things just lined up for you. It was obviously a very slow process and maybe you didn't realize it at the time, but now obviously looking back, you can connect the dots and, you know, if this didn't happen and if that didn't happen, where you might be right now. Right. Right. Yeah. And and my coming and my um, meeting you was a random occurrence. too. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So I just, I, that's my belief, you know, whenever I can talk to somebody or, you know, you um, never know, you never know, you never know. know. Well, and I will say, I mean, just knowing you this short time, the the level of gratitude just permeates oh, from you. Robin, I every day I wake up and I am so so grateful, so grateful, and I am so grateful to my donor. And every every um, transplant anniversary we have, and it'll Aww. be our we always go out to dinner to celebrate. Oh, that's so nice. Yes. Yes. So she nice. doesn't live that far from me. Oh, great. So we always go out and, you know, we're still part of each other's life. Um, she's, she has a full life and I don't get to see her that much. Because you are living a full life. Thanks to her. Yes. Yes, I am. Well, thank you so, so much, Myrna. Uh, Your story is unbelievable and and so inspiring in so many ways. I, I, I can't thank you enough for sharing it with us today. And I'm so grateful for you to allow me to share this story. You're welcome. You're welcome. 
Okay, listeners, hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please tell your friends about us, share us, like us, use social media. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today at The Healthability Project. We'd love to hear from you, so please email us your questions, comments, or suggestions, including future guests, to thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. And please like us, subscribe, and share us with your friends.